All right, Justin, sing me the song I'm thinking of in my head right now. Hmm. It's got to be. I can give you one hint. It's got to be. I'm pretty, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Rob Zombie. Do you want to ride it? Educated horses. It's either that one or uh, what is it? Hey, yeah. I'm the one that you wanted. Hey, yeah. I'm the super beast. Hey, yeah. It's one of them. All right, Justin, since you made two guesses, you get minus two points. Can we get the hint now? Well, you can. Justin can anymore. Um, so the hint is this song literally came out today. Oh. Hmm. Well, it's definitely not what I was gonna say then. Um is it something off the new Justin Bieber album? No, it is not. Okay. I had nothing. That was not what I was gonna guess, so I have I have no idea. The song in my head is a song by Demi Lovato called Dancing with the Devil off her mm, upcoming okay. album. Just came out today. The album did. I didn't know she yet. had an album. I didn't know she had an album coming out. Yep. And that was the song. I was like, oh, this is a really great song. So hmm, I need to listen to it. I do like Demi. Heather gets minus one points. Man, you know, you're not, that zombie, not even zero, like not even zero points, just negative now. Well, technically, you get he's getting minus points means you get just one in the lost column. Justin gets two in the lost column. Mm. You get one and I get uh, three wins. So that's just how it is. Well, you can't take off a point five. I mean, you know, you'd be on that zombie. Dude, I haven't listened to Rob Zombie in years. <laughs> yeah, like if we if we had good songs, can they count as like a half point? Nope. Oh. It's not how the game works. But but what, Justin? But what? But he's a super beast. Okay. <laughs> that means nothing. Uh, but he's the one that you wanted. No. Man, he says it. Why isn't it true? Because you just don't always get what you want. You can't always get what you need. <sighs> Or whatever, however the fuck that song goes. I don't actually remember how that song goes. <laughs> I, I, I it was knew close. it was a song. I knew it was a song, though. The Rolling Stones. That's a good song. Yeah, but I just don't remember anything other than, like, that's kind of how the words went. You know? So, that's just how it is. And here's the theme song. Slayers. 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 Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We have a very special episode for you today. And I already fucked that up because I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And now we have a very, very, fuck me. Now we have a very special <laughs> episode for you guys. Uh, this will be the first episode of like an ongoing bonus series we're going to do called Cinema Slayers Off Script. So what we'll be doing in these episodes is we'll put up on Facebook, just give us topics, and we're just going to kind of be talking. This won't really be restricted to movie or TV related, even though we go off on tangents anyway. This will be more the point of this episode, to be more tangential, if that's a word. I feel like it is, but I feel, I feel like I said it wrong. Um, so yes, this is just kind of us going off script and talking about some things. And 
just giving thoughts about different things. And so we do have some topics suggested by you guys, and we'll also just talk about other things. Um, first and foremost, there was a man named Paul, and he, he asked us a question on the 100th episode where we did strictly a Q&A, and it was related to Avengers Endgame. And he was asking us if we noticed uh, at the end of Endgame when Peter Parker returns to school that there's a blonde girl that walks by, possibly being Felicia Harding. Hardy, Harding, I don't remember anyway. And who is the black cat in Spider-Man comics. And then there's another blonde girl that walks by in a black skirt that has like white webbing on it. And how that could possibly be a Gwen Stacy reference. And uh, I, w I went and I, I watched the scene. And I'm just going to say, uh, sure, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be an Easter egg. It could also just be two blonde extras walking in an Avengers movie. I don't think it means anything either way. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? I do not because it's escaping my memory the scene so it i i have no input but yeah i mean it i guess it's cool if they did the easter egg like that but i beyond that i have nothing to contribute <laughs> um yeah um i remember when paul first um asked me about this and i want to say maybe we were at a um wrestling show or something like that and then on then later i know he's um put it on some of our posts and stuff like that but uh, but I remember first going back, kind of like you did, doing the investigation and kind of looking and saying, hmm, I wonder if there's anything to that. And uh, yeah, man, I think you're <laughs> pretty much right. Like, maybe it was a nice little wink, like, hey, wink, wink, look, could that be Gwen? Could that be? But I don't know, man. I just feel like either way. I just feel like if it really was something, then in Spider-Man Far From Home, there we would have gotten something else or there would have been some sort of continuation of it or there would have been, you know, something for them. They would have laid the groundwork for something to build on because I just, you know, I just trust Marvel Studios' storytelling. So I just can't think that it's anything beyond just a coincidence, honestly. You know, maybe that extra wore something with webbing on it or something because she was like, oh, cool, I'm in Spider-Man. I got this, like, cute little spider shirt. I'll wear it. I don't know. It could have been something as simple as that. <laughs> it could really could have been. But, uh, you know, but but I think it is kind of indicative of something else, though. I, th I just think that we as comic fans, we just want, well, some, you know, well, uh, but but it's a lot of people that are comic book fans. When you read comics, you just kind of have you just want to see the comics. You know what I mean? You want to see what you read in the books come on screen. And I know that there are people that while some people like the Tom Holland Zendaya dynamic, there are some that are like, why does she have to be MJ? Why can't there actually be Mary Jane? Why don't we actually have Gwen Stacy and stuff like that? And I guess sometimes comic fans just kind of want to wield the story that they're so familiar with in the comics. But to that, I will say, 
Is it so bad, though? Like, I like Tom Holland and Zendaya. I like that dynamic. I like the MJ that Zendaya Mm -hmm. is for this Spider-Man of today or whatever year it's in because, yeah, they blip back and et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but you know what I mean? Get my drift. I like that dynamic and I kind of want to see where that goes. So I am kind of okay with us getting kind of a different story of Spider-Man, you know? Uh, you know, I I don't need to see Mary Redhead, Mary Jane Watson again to feel like I I, I don't think I need that for anything. I don't need to see Gwen Stacy again. So if I get those characters, cool. I know Marvel Studios will do them well, but I don't need them. You know, I I, I like the first two Spider-Man movies. I like this dynamic and I want to kind of see what they do with the third film with those two. So, I mean, I'm on board with what they've already got, honestly. So, eh, you know, uh, whether that was a nod or a wink or whether it was an Easter egg or whatever, or a precursor for things to come. eh, I don't know if I really want to see that, you know, I I, I just like the things the way they are, honestly. But anyway, that's me. I mean, personally, I just think it's two blonde extras. I don't really (laughs) think it's anything more than that. Uh, going to what you said, though, Justin, I think one reason why the dynamic uh, with Zendaya and Tom Holland works so well is it's kind of a refresh modernization of their dynamic in general in the comics, where in the comics, originally, like, Mary Jane, super popular, beautiful, became a model, uh, and all this other stuff, and so Peter Parker was always kind of intimidated by her in that way, and in this and I'm not saying that like Zendaya is not beautiful. She is, but that's just kind of not the point of her version of MJ where she is still intimidating as fuck to Peter Parker, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they yeah. have that dynamic. She's still intimidating just in a different way, you know? And yeah, it works. I think it's because of the intimidation uh, that MJ poses on him. And it's just the fact that like in this, she's smart. She's sarcastic. She's biting. You know, she's kind of got that whole I don't take shit attitude and he just doesn't know how to handle it. And I think it's great because he kind of becomes a bumbling fool around her, which is your Peter Parker around MJ. That's true. I I didn't think of it that way until you described it. But yeah, that's exactly why I like that dynamic. And I like what you said there. Like, it's still... Peter, it's still Peter Parker being intimidated, but you're right. But this is kind of like he's intimidated because she's strong, confident, uh, like you said, smart. She's quippy. She's, you know, uh, a confident woman. So rather than it being kind of the trope that used to be okay, oh, look, she's beautiful. She's popular. She's a supermodel, kind of like all of those things. And then Peter was the guy that was smart and was this and that. And he, you know, all the strength kind of more or less came from him. And, and Mary Jane does show some strength. It takes some, it would take some strength to be with Spider-Man. But I do like the 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 modernization of that because you could see that kind of because that kind of woman is somewhat intimidating for some guys. That is probably something more in tune with what would happen today. 
And and even if it's not always the case, I think that's good to have in a story. It's a good modernization of that story because, you know, we, we want, you know, there are women that are powerful. They speak their minds. They're confident in who they are. They tell the truth like she does about historical landmarks and figures and stuff. And she's talking about it. You know, this used to be a place where they would like kill slaves, right? Like, I kind of like it. You know, I like that she, that it's that dynamic, you know, like, like you said, that intimidates her. I I think it's good, man. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah. And it's not necessarily intimidating that she's smart. You know, it's not to say that that is an intimidating feature if a woman's smart. It's just that, like, like you said, she intentionally goes out of her way to say off-putting things or just jarring things just to get a reaction out of him. And he yeah. doesn't yeah. know how to handle that aspect of it. You know, he doesn't know how, like, whenever, like, he can come up to her and he's like, hey, I really, I really like you and you're beautiful and all this other stuff. And she'd be like, oh, you only like me because you think I'm pretty? Is that my only value? And he'd just mm-hmm. start fumbling around his words because obviously that's not what he meant. <laughs> and she knows yeah. it. Right. Yeah. But she's just fucking with him, you know? Yeah, that's and I, true. And it's like you said, Justin, it's a modern, it's a modern version of that. It's just, she keeps him on it, on his toes because he never knows if she's serious or joking or what. And, you know, cause he's trying to be genuine and sincere and she keeps, you know, she'll bite back with it. And I just really, and it, yeah, like I said, I love that dynamic cause it is the dynamic. They just changed how it, it how it's approached, you know? Yeah. That's just my two cents. Well, Paul, I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Um, Once and for all. (laughs) Yeah, sorry we were so late to it. I thought we answered it on the last one. I don't know. Hopefully this one uh, is what you were looking for. Now, let's go to one that I know is not necessarily movie-related from Joel. Um, First and foremost, this is more of a jousting question. Sorry, Heather, you can more than... You're more than welcome to chime in. I just don't know if you'll have this uh, information because I don't have it either. Um, so, Justin, who do you think? Do you think anybody will ever beat Ric Flair's 16-time world champion record? Man, this is a tough question because there are so many people that are very, very close. I, I want to say that John Cena is like a 15-time champion. So I th- I want to say, or he might have tied Ric Flair, but but I want to say he's 15. Um, I know that Randy Orton is probably the next closest because I think he's either 13 or 14. I thought the um, last time he won it was his 14th. Yeah, I think so. So he's very close too. Uh, so, but it's just so hard to say with wrestling because like, you know, is Cena going to come back? And even if he does, why would he come back? Why would he come back for an extended period of time? Why would he carry the title? He, he'd be more of just coming back because he wouldn't need the title to come back, you know? And Orton, I mean, I mean, I would say, you know, maybe he'll be winding down eventually, but man, he's still. I mean, he's still really good in the ring. I mean, who knows how long uh, Randy Orton will be there? I mean, he's still great. So uh, who knows? But honestly, and then this may be weird, but I think if anybody is going to beat his record, I would say before it's a male, 
it'll probably be a female. And I would bank on his daughter, Charlotte, doing it. Because to me, that would be fitting. Like, she's, you know, she's already got multiple championships and stuff like that. A lot of people already consider her probably one of the greatest female wrestlers. And I just feel like if anybody was to break that, what better story would there be than it for it to be his daughter? You know what I mean? So, and even though, and in a way, it kind of preserves it because, you know, it's not the heavyweight. It's not the the heavyweight championship. You know, it's not, it's not like she's holding the same title he won. But if she gets over 16 titles, then, of course, she's going to be like, well, I'm the 17 time. You know, I did what my father did. I won it 17 times, et cetera, et cetera. So I just feel like if I, so I, I'm, I'm putting a yes there, but it's going to be an asterisk. Charlotte's going to do it. It won't be a guy breaking his record. Now, I did just look it up. John Cena is tied with Flair. Oh, OK. So, OK. Yeah, then I know Triple H is at 14. Randy Orton is 13 or 14. And the next closest is Hulk Hogan at 12. Okay. And see, I I just don't see Cena coming back. Yeah, I don't think he would. I don't think they would do that. I think maybe the whole point was that when Cena won that 16th one, I bet they were like, yeah, we'll let you tie Flair, but not go past him. I don't know. I feel like that's something kind of near and dear to just people in wrestling and Vince and people like that. But And that's why the only real person I give a chance to do it is his daughter. Because... See, and I'm wondering if how long her, his daughter's going to stay there, though. Yeah, because with... um Because her man just got released, and I don't know, like, what's going on with her either. So I don't know. That's another thing. So could that kind of defer things? Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, but I like what you said though. I think if they're going to do it, it would be his daughter. I think that that would be a reasonable thing. So I could see that with as little as I know about WWE. I just don't keep up with it as much. All the wrestlers I like, they don't show anymore. Or if they do, they just get jobbed constantly. So I don't watch that that much. Man, I'm so behind, dude. Like, I mean, I was watching it religiously and then it just got so busy and just doing wrestling yourself and training and all that stuff. It's it's just hard to sit down and dedicate that time. So right now I'm kind of I use recaps and uh, stuff like that to kind of or if I know them personally, I try to watch those people. Like Shelton Benjamin, I try to watch his stuff. Uh, Kurt Stallion, um, who recently got signed with WWE, you know, uh, I trained him. He's from this area, you know, and stuff like that. I was his first trainer and stuff, and he moved over to St. Louis and got more training and did a bunch of cool stuff and went all over the all over the country and eventually got signed. So his stuff, you know, we still talk occasionally, and his stuff— I'll definitely watch his stuff. So like now it's more like people who I know I'll watch them, but man, uh, you know, I wish I had more time is all I can say. And like AEW, I haven't seen much of that except just clips or a few dark matches from guys. I know like, like now it seems like most of the wrestling I watch 
is either older stuff because I'm studying it or it's people who I know. I'm just trying to support them, you know, but yeah, it's hard to watch. There's so, you know what? Now that I think about it, you got three hours of Raw, you got what, two hours of SmackDown and that's just, and that's, and then you got NXT, that's two hours and that's just WWE. Then you got AW's show, you got uh, and then that's then there's pay-per-views and then you got like NWA Power and there are local wrestling shows that have television broadcast and stuff. So, man, there's a lot of wrestling <laughs> on TV right now, now that I think about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and then you can get into like going online and watching international stuff or like Major League Wrestling and, you know, like your mm-hmm. AAA New stuff Japan. or New Japan. Yeah, I mean, if I... Yeah. And, that's how you know you're out of it a little bit, Justin, because do you know that AEW has three shows now a week? Wow. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I knew about, all I knew about was two, was AEW Dark, but that's more online. Yes. Well, this is the like, other one, because they do it on Mondays now, which is AEW Dark Ascension. And that's with the big show and Tony, uh, what's his name? Shivani? Uh, commentate that one on Mondays. And oh, okay. That one, that one I didn't is know. more... You know, like, because Dark is supposed to be a mix of indie people and established, like, more semi-more-established people. Uh, yes. Ascension is more just more indie people. Okay, so it's kind of a chance. And see, I didn't, re- and I saw ads for it. I saw AEW Dark Ascension, and I didn't realize that there was a distinction. I thought maybe they were doing some kind of, like, event where they take, Yeah, kind of like an know, NXT takeover. Yeah, kind of like that. Like they take people who are up and comers like indie people and they give them some. I thought it was a way to give them some spotlight, but I didn't realize it was like a televised show. So actually, that's pretty cool, man. Well, I mean, it that's is pretty badass. It, it, it follows the AEW dark thing. It's just on YouTube. But I mean, yeah, it's cool that they do it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because when I do watch, like I said, the wrestlers I do like in AEW or in WWE, they don't really wrestle much anymore. Like, I'm a huge Ricochet fan, and Ricochet's not on it unless he's getting his ass beat, which I think is a shame. Mm. I know he doesn't have mic skills, but the man can fucking wrestle. Well, I mean, I say that. He can fucking fly around the ring. He's one of the most athletic human beings in the world. and Yeah, he's spectacular, man. And they just don't utilize that. And also Aleister Black. And I know supposedly he's been out for a while, like with injuries and stuff like that, kind of. But also, I think it's because, A, he's slightly mad about all the shit that went down with his wife. And B, after Paul Heyman left or got removed as creative director of Raw, that's whenever Vince kind of shut him down. So you had him get shut down and Ricochet because Ricochet was also a Paul Heyman guy. And I loved those two. I thought they were fantastic. Um, and uh, and we mentioned him a little bit ago, Andre. He's a great wrestler. Oh, yeah. Too. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and he kind of fits with what I do like to watch, which is, I love this. I love the spectacle matches. It's why I watch, a, if I watch wrestling or if I really seek it out, it tends to be like a Lucha style because of that. I okay. love the insanity, you know? I mean, that's why my favorite wrestler is Pentagon, you know? Yeah. Like, I love yeah. Pentagon. And I know he's a combination because he is that brawler, but he also does some of the crazy Lucha shit still. Now, he's not as insane as his brother is. Like, Ray Phoenix, there's nothing in the world he won't jump off of or into. Sometimes to the detriment of his head. But, 
yeah, I love the Lucha Brothers. I love that whole style of stuff. Um, and that's why I do like, I like Ricochet. He's got like a more modern version of that type of wrestling. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just that type of stuff is what I love. And I get more of that in AEW. I mean, cause it does, it has my, the Lucha Brothers in it. And if you're ever on like Facebook, I'm the notorious person just talking about how Penta needs to quit losing because I'm, I'm still upset that they jobbed him to Cody Rhodes like they did because Cody needs to stop it. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Cody Rhodes. Stop it. Um, but I mean, and I just, and it's like, I've got the feeling that they're underutilizing him because of all like, and it, and it is partially because people in America don't realize like how technically big of a name like Pentagon Array Phoenix are. Like they kind of do, but like, they don't realize like how many championships like Pentagon has won, like in AAA and stuff like that, you know, like yeah. he like for a very long time in Mexico, he was like the number one wrestler. I mean, there's one thing I've seen where he's walking out to an event in, in Mexico and he had like five belts, you know? Damn. Yeah. He'd like one around his waist and he's like carrying like one around his neck and like carrying someone on his arms. Yeah. So many belts he was carrying in, in, in Mexico at the time, you know, that, and that's just, and like, I do think it's funny too, like a lot of American people, when they do watch stuff, if you read like comments and stuff like that, they don't understand a lot of the Lucha style when it comes to some of the in-match decisions, you know, like when he was doing that ladder match at that last pay-per-view for AEW, like instead of climbing the ladder, he does his little, uh, uh, Sierra Medro, uh, taunt. And everybody's like, well, if he's been as much taunting as like, climbing ladders as he does taunting he'd probably win i'm like yeah but that's the whole point of like that kind of style like with the heels and the faces in lucha mm. you know with the mm -hmm. whole like dude and i read somebody comment and they're like no you just don't understand like in mexico he could go up to an old woman punch her in the face have all the crowd turn on him but then the second he does that they're all back on his side <laughs> and i'm like exactly like that's what's so great about him but Anyway, that's enough about that because we haven't heard Heather's voice in a while. Are you still alive, Heather? I am. I wish I could contribute to this conversation, but I like kind of hearing at least you guys who know what you're talking about talk about it so that I can learn. Well, just say a wrestler's name so you can like say something. <laughs> the Rock. There you go. Which that's great because our next question from Joel with that is... Segway. Yeah, Segway is... You're welcome, everyone. And this one you should be able to come or contribute to more is are there any wrestlers do you think will reach the status the rock has Ooh. so i mean like as a wrestler no in I, I would say just in life nobody can be better at life than the rock i just i do think that john cena is really he's getting up there a little bit with like putting himself out there doing more stuff um and he kind of can do everything but i don't know man the rock is just He's great at everything. He's just the most, wasn't he voted literally like the most likable person in the world? <laughs> I mean, he was just, whenever I did a like poll him. with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do agree with what you said, Heather, with uh, John Cena being a possibility. Uh, with him, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for the new Suicide Squad. I did. I mean, he's very much a departure from his character or his persona in WWE with that. Also, I love the fact that he's playing the villain in the next Fast and Furious movie. If it ever comes out, 
Uh, <laughs> he is playing the villain in that. And I am, I am incredibly intrigued by that. I love that idea. And I, I can't wait to see that. Uh, and I mean, yeah, another one though, that's really being, you know, interesting with their, the acting is Dave Batista. You know, everybody knows him as Drax and stuff like that, oh, but like, yeah, that's true. You know, and he's in some of the biggest movies in the world because he's in the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and all that other stuff. But it's funny because there have been times he's appro been approached to play wrestlers in movies or TV shows and stuff, and he's turning it down because he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor now. I'm not a wrestler. You know, I, I don't want to always be associated with that. I'm trying to move forward and trying to do stuff. Now, I say that, and then there's that HBO series Room 104. He actually plays a wrestler in that. Because it's a a very crazy story. And he was like, oh, it's more than just, oh, a wrestler playing a wrestler. Like, that's a, it was a role, you know. So that's why he, he did do mm -hmm. that one. But he's very big on trying to do things and different things. And, you know, while you have him being like Drax, which just you would think is just to be imposing. But he is kind of sometimes the funniest thing happening in those movies and then yeah and then you have him in like blade runner 2049 which is a very small role and yeah it does have a fight sequence but he was like a kind of very subdued character until he had to fight you know and then you look at him and like, just in some of these different roles he's just doing some interesting things and he's very serious about doing it and i do appreciate that because i mean the rock was kind of the i mean I remember when The Rock started doing all this. How many shitty fucking movies did The Rock do before he finally became oh, yeah. like a must-watch person in a movie? Like, and people didn't fuck, think it terrible. would ever really happen based on like the first couple movies he did. They were oh. like, "Why is he doing this?" Yeah, I'm one of them. Same, me too. And now I'm like, anything he's in, I'll watch it. <laughs> I mean, after he did, what, 27 kids movies in a row, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck if I ever see The Rock in a movie again. And then he just started doing, you know, just the I'm a solo man doing man thing action movies, like Walking Tall <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah. And you're like, OK, fine. And then but like once he like started branching out, yeah, he does his action movies and all this other stuff. But then he does stuff like Jumanji and. You know, he, 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 he breaks it up now and does different things. And he's just w infinitely more interesting now. Now, and I'm not even saying I like all the movies he does now. I don't like, I, I didn't, I didn't think that what that central intelligence movie that he did with Kevin Hart, it's okay at best, you know, although their dynamic is amazing, but the yeah. movie itself was only okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. He, well, he did like St. Andreas and that was dumb. And then he did Skyscraper, which is dumb. But then he's done all these Fast and the Furious movies. And I know people want me to say they're dumb, but they're not. They're fucking glorious. <laughs> and he did Ballers. Oh, and Ballers. Fuck, that show is amazing. Yeah. He was so damn good in that, you know. And he's got his own tequila now. Yes. And it's a very good tequila. I'm oh, holding, have you had it? I'm holding a bottle of it right now in my hand. Nice. What's it called again? Terramana. Nice. Small batch tequila. It's gluten-free, um, if that matters to you. Uh, also know that there's really not a non-gluten-free tequila. Just throwing that out there. It's kind of deceptive. But, yes, I do like this. I really do uh, like this tequila. So, 
And he's got like an energy drink out now, which whatever. I mean, the motherfucker has a sitcom now. Yeah. I was going to say Young Rock is I also. I wonder if it's good. It's not. Um, people. It's not terrible. Okay. I'll say that. It's not terrible. i it. They reference but, the University of Miami a ton, so you know I'm going to be slightly on board either way. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten around to watching that yet. But yeah, like um, early in his career, it just seemed like, um, and, and I know that some of that too was that he was actively training in acting while also taking movie roles. So, but I mean, he went through the grind because at first I think it was just kind of like, you know, whatever role he could get, he was trying to get like, shoot, play the Scorpion King. Sure. I'll do the Scorpion King. Oh, you want me to do this? Sure. I'll do this. And, you know, and it seemed like when he finally got to kind of combine the comedic side of rock, kind of the quippy comedic side of himself yeah. with the kind of charismatic kind of, macho side of himself the moment he kind of got found that perfect mix where he could combine both of those things i think that's when really his best roles kind of started to shine through like it, it, it was a combination of those things i think at, at first now, now some of those action films the rundown i still like that movie i well, still like now it's been a while since i've seen what it you but said, though of his the comedic with the action yeah that was kind of the first glimpse of that kind of action comedy mix and he hadn't really done that until then and and then there are some movies where it's like full comedy and it just didn't quite work like what was that where he was like a babysitter or it was something with kids and well he did a few he did it was football and well he did the game plan he did the tooth fairy he did tooth fairy is what i'm thinking of yeah and that was like super comedic you know there wasn't enough of the other side of him but but those movies where it's a perfect mix like fast and the furious that's a perfect mix like that dynamic with him and hobbs and shaw and all that kind of stuff that's like or him and Kevin Hart in Jumaji. That's like the perfect rock mix. But, you know, he just, but, but he just got to where I think once he kind of figured out the game, he started making a lot of better choices, man. Um, you know, he, vo- he was a voice in Moana and that was very successful. And then it just became, then all of a sudden, I remember reading reports a few years ago and they were like, he's the number one, like the highest grossing actor. Like it it was just crazy. Like I never thought that he would reach those kinds of heights. I, I, you know, I, I was always rooting for him too, though, but I never thought he would actually get there. So it just kind of speaks to his persistence because I think early he could have easily given up. I think he even said he felt like, you know, there were times where he felt like giving up or should I just go back to wrestling or should I try something else? You know, he um, struggled with it early, but kind of found his footing and kind of found his brand, so to speak. So it really was, you know, it wasn't easy. He was not by any means just an overnight kind of success. So when I look at these other wrestlers that are doing it, like, and like you said, like Batista and John Cena are probably 
the the closest to him um as far as that's concerned but man to say if can anybody get to the level that he got that would mean that they would have to become the number one that they would have to be the number one highest grossing actor and i mean i can't i'm not saying it's impossible but yes cena yeah he's probably the closest because he did ferdinand he was a voice in that that ferdinand the bull movie and that got some accolades and that was a pretty successful movie um blockers was considered a funny movie cock blockers that was, was good pretty, yeah that was i funny. liked him in that and see i i still haven't i don't know why i haven't seen that but i i heard from I, but there's nobody i've talked to that's seen it that said it wasn't funny and they said he was one of the better things about it and now He's finally made his way into a comic book movie now. You know, now he's doing the Suicide Squad now. And so it, it feels like he's going up. And he voices and he does the voice in a lot of car commercials. I hear his voice in commercials and stuff. So he's popping up more and more, man. So I think if anybody has a shot, it's him. I was going to say, uh, when that question was proposed on our thing, I was like, man, Watch out for Cena, man, because he's starting to rise, man. He's he's well, moving on up. And he kind of followed a similar trajectory of The Rock originally by doing, he, he did some garbage roles early. Yeah, he did. Know? And then he kind of just started doing what he wanted to a little bit, and I think it fits better. Like, honestly, him as Peacemaker was my favorite thing in that Suicide Squad trailer. I mean, and don't get me wrong, that Suicide Squad movie looks great. But some of the things he does, like says in that, is fucking fantastic. I really do understand why they gave him a spinoff TV series that's coming to HBO Max from that. They're doing a Peacemaker TV series that's filming oh, right wow. now. Yeah. Movie hasn't even come out yet, and they're doing a spinoff series that is filming right now. They've already committed to it. It'll be out, like, later this year, I think. Man. So, see, nice. and, see and, and yeah. And I think... um if anybody has the potential to do what the rock has done, it's definitely him, but not just because like he's starting to have that upward trajectory, but it's the mindset, man. Cena has always been a head, a, you know, head down, grind, do the work kind of guy that that was how he was in WWE. That's how he, got to where he got in WWE was on top for so long. You know, he was on top longer for a longer period of time than any superstar, like any superstar, like including Hulk Hogan, you know, like he, like as far as just the time that he was the man in WWE cumulative number of years, nobody was the number one guy as long as John Cena was. That's kind of one of his like claim the fames. And a lot of that was just because man, he, he will put in the work and he will just, and that's what he's always been about, you know, and he can still like, even now, like his workout regimens are crazy. Like that man is insane. Like, and I like to think I work out a lot, man. That man <laughs> is insane, but it's that mindset, you know, he is just dedicated to whatever the goal is at, at the time. So yeah, if anybody has a chance to do it, man, I know it's him because he's got that kind of, 
head to the ground, do the work kind of mindset like The Rock has. So, yeah. And on top of that, you were talking about how he was on top longer than like anyone else ever. And that's without some of the controversy that some of these other people had. You know, like yeah. in the middle of Hulk Hogan being the man, there was also the steroids trial and you yep. know the 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 fog of that. And then later on, the other shit that's come out from Hulk Hogan over the years. Um Yeah. And if you don't know, he's a racist. Um yeah. just throwing that out there. Um but like even then, like as much as everybody loves Stone Cold and I think how you know Stone Cold has turned his life around there was always the talk and the the events that was happening behind the scenes with him and Deborah that they gloss over now. But yeah, shit wasn't good back then for him outside the ring. Yeah. You know? And like I said, it does seem like Stone Cold has turned his life around since then, which is good. But we can't ignore the fact that while he was one of the biggest wrestlers in the world, he was also beating his wife. Mm-hmm. And you know, all those things. And you don't really hear that about Cena. Now you hear some of that with like some of the business aspects, like Bray Wyatt felt like his world title run or one of his opportunities or something like that was cut short because of Cena. But then at the same time, you know, but that's business. But then at the same time, to Cena's credit, he came back and did that cinematic match with Bray that even addressed some of that. There was because yeah. of some of that. So I give him that credit of him at least you know, maybe looking back on his career and acknowledging that maybe he put himself over Bray in a time that would have been more beneficial for Bray than him and then did that cinematic match with him. That I do think, I know it wasn't really even a match, but I like what they did with that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was one of my favorite things about that WrestleMania. And yeah, and I think that with any of the guys that are on top, especially for an extended period of time, you're you're always going to be able to find a handful of stories, a handful of guys who fans thought should have been pushed and weren't and all those different things. I feel like every person on top kind of has those things. If you put a microscope under Triple H, you'll find some of that. If you put oh, you a microscope, a you know, stories about like, yeah, that with it, Triple H. <laughs> You know, like any of those guys who were on top for an extended period, hell, anyone that is probably on top for an extended period of any kind of business, I'm pretty sure some of that stigma is going to follow them. But that's why there are people like within the industry that consider John Cena, uh, you know, probably the greatest of all time because of that, because that's what they say the longevity that he had on top and without all as much of the controversy, all of that stuff, he was just a guy that did the work and then he didn't. And also he didn't have to change much. He was that same. Once he kind of got that John Cena hustle, loyalty and respect persona down. Once that was kind of the established persona, he was that for like, damn near 10 years and was on top, you know, like, and then on top of that, his collection of matches, the people he got in there with the money that he drew, like the, all the WrestleMania main events or events he was part of all the big matches and just the sheer longevity 
of his time on top and just being a, a for the most part, a model employee. Now, I'm sure maybe he did some stuff. Man, who knows? There could be some stuff that comes out later that we don't know about. But for the most part, he he had a stellar reputation for, for the most part. So, I mean, I don't know, man. And I get that. I get some of that. And, you know, I mean, wrestling's such a hard thing to argue about who the greatest is because some people are like, well, the one who's the greatest made the most money. And some people are like, no, the one who's the greatest that had the best matches. You know, who you ask, it's going to change. But... But all I said all that to say is I get the consideration for Cena. I get it. And to me, that's an indicator of his potential to become one of the biggest movie stars. He knows how to stay around, man. He knows how to stay around. He knows how to stay relevant. And so, and I think those are tools that he'll be able to carry to Hollywood and in a lot of ways already has. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to see him in this fast and furious straight up playing a villain. I think that's genius on his part, you know, just do something different. I love it. You know, I mean, I'm stoked about a lot of things with this movie, but that's, that's probably up there as one of the top reasons why I'm excited about fast and furious eight is to see what he does as the villain. Yeah. You've just never really seen him be that. And I love the fact that he's willing to try it out. Even if this is the only movie we see him as a villain ever, I love seeing him try it out. Yeah. And that's two huge franchises that he finds himself in. He's going to be in the DC Suicide Squad movie. And now, and he's also in the Fast franchise. So, I mean, dude, that's two of your bigger long-lasting franchises, and now he's a part of them, you know? So he's off to a great, well, I can't even really say start. I mean, I guess he started years ago, but dude, like the the time that it took him, if you think about where The Rock was his first few years of acting and where Cena is, you could argue that Cena's rising at a faster rate. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's rising at a faster argue rate. That. But I think he started later in life than The Rock did. I think he yeah, was and probably, that's the thing. It was probably paved yeah. a little bit too by The Rock, like yeah. just seeing how successful he was and being like, "All right, well, let's just jumpstart this other guy then, because clearly it works." You know? Yeah, because The Rock yeah. really is it, the first wrestler to really do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, Hogan tried, but yeah, H- Hogan failed. Oh man, those yeah. movies. Yeah, it didn't quite uh Suburban work out. Commando, for the Hulkster. Mm. But yeah, but but Rock is kind of that blueprint, like Rock kind of proves, hey, you can do it. And then Batista came along and has some success and they're like, well, damn, you know. So now it's kind of like, well, damn, maybe we need to start looking at these wrestlers. And that <laughs> did. I do feel that that kind of opened the door for Cena, but he didn't need it. He didn't need it open much. Yeah. You know, it was probably just a little ajar. But trust me, he'll kick it down. But, you know, you give him time. Yeah, I feel like they also just have a very similar type of like charismatic way about them um, outside of just like their wrestling skills. You know what I mean? Like, and that's probably why they've been more successful than like a Hulk Hogan, who's not like really a charismatic or charming person. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, yeah, I'd say he's charismatic, charming, maybe not. Right. But you know what I mean? Like, there's just. 
there's a quality about, you know, like I feel like The Rock and Cena have very similar personality traits that make them likable and make them people. And it, maybe it also could be that mentality or that, um, you know, the uh, discipline that they have and this the work ethic that they have. But I feel like they're just very similar in how they approach a project and just personality. And that's why it works for both of them so well. I yeah. Mean, I'll say I, this you're right about, about that. Those intangibles. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Go no, ahead. I'll just say uh, about Cena. Cena doesn't seem to have the ego you think he would have. Yeah. And I think that that translates so well to what he's doing. And, and like Justin said, with, you know, they might have opened the door for him, but, you know, I'll say this, once he got in that room, man, he's doing the shit right. You know, those yeah. first few times I saw seen on screen, I was like, man, this motherfucker just trying to be the rock. And that's legitimately <laughs> what I thought. This motherfucker is trying too, to be yeah. the rock. He's not. I will 100% say I was wrong about that. He's not the same as the rock. Like, I mean, he's doing some of the same things. Yes. By making movies and being a star and all this other stuff, but he's also, he does his own thing. Yeah. He's making his own brand with it. He's not trying to be the rock. He's just trying to be the best version of himself in these movies. Yeah. And I think I mean, that even comes like across. The, even like the like very brief moments that like when he was in a few episodes of Psych, I remember like before he was a big deal. And I was like, this works though. It totally worked for what he did with it. And like, yeah, I, I just and I think that I don't know. I just I think I just really like the fact that they both seem like just genuinely good dudes. <laughs> so I want them to be successful with this. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you root for them. And it's like they have those intangibles. Like it's one thing like it's just to have kind of a transcendent kind of charisma or talent like that. That is something that is very rare, you know, it's one thing to be like a popular indie wrestler. It's another thing to be like a really popular wrestler on TV, um, you know, all over the media and stuff like that. Be popular all over the world. But it's also another thing entirely to be to have such kind of like a transcendent like personality or charisma that even non wrestling fans get behind you. Even people who may not know you from the wrestling world, you have there's something about you where people go, man, I want to see him. I want to watch her. I want to see what these people do next. You know, that there's something you have to have something, some intangibles that where you can separate from that and still kind of become something over here. And I think only a few people have things like that and they're just kind of some of those special people that seem to have it you know batista cena and rock they're, they're just really yeah. just that they just have something that that a lot of other people don't have and they can just appeal to way more people you know i will say of those three the biggest surprise is batista i never thought he would be able to be what he is now in movies yeah i didn't see that coming either Mm-hmm. So I give him credit for that because he is, he is something special as Drax. So let's, let's move on to, to, to Joel's last question, which was what is the best menu item from Whataburger? Now I don't want to necessarily 
give myself this title, but let's be real. I am a Whataburger aficionado and super fan. No one's doubting that. If you don't yeah. know, I have the Whataburger logo tattooed on my neck. Not not somewhere hidden. No, this fucking thing's on my neck. Like it's fairly big on the side of my neck. And yes. And the definitive answer and the only real correct answer is everything is good, but the best item is the green chili double. And I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Now, if you said a sausage bob, all right, I might not fight you because there's something special about a sausage bob. But that green chili double, man, every time. That the bob, I agree. I, I love their uh, breakfast food. But like, I don't know. Like for me, I just think that their normal cheeseburger is just so good. <laughs> like I just love, like if I go visit Texas where my family is, it's the first place I want to go, you know? And, um, there's so many like different places you could go, but I'm like, if I want fast food, Whataburger is the one, you know? So I just like their, I like their, just their normal cheeseburger, but also that honey butter chicken biscuit is good stuff. Yeah. That honey butter chicken biscuit is tight. I can attest to that. That's really good. (laughs) Um, I mean, for me, like Whataburger is really not my like. It's not my go-to place for burgers. I mean, though I do like them. I mean, even though I do like them, it's not really like, I don't know. I'm never like hungry for, or or even when I do go, I never really get the burger. I always like will get something like some sort of chicken item. Like, like you said, the honey butter chicken biscuits. I like those. Uh, That chicken strip sandwich that they have where you got the two, pieces of toast and then they put the barbecue sauce and like I want to say it might even be honey mustard or barbecue sauce or maybe it's a mix or maybe you can get either or but that sandwich that toasted chicken sandwich chicken strip sandwich sandwich or whatever that's called I really like that that's usually my go-to item when I go there so yeah, I guess I'm weird like that. I don't know what that means, really? Justin, when you're all, I'm never <laughs> hungry for a Whataburger burger. I don't know what the fuck that means. I am always hungry for a Whataburger burger. <laughs> always. It's been like a year and a half since I've had one, and I've been hungry for one every goddamn day of that. <laughs> you can't really go wrong with a Whataburger item, though, in general. So probably anything you would choose would be like, okay, yep. Pro tip. When you get your meal, get a side of gravy and dip your fries in it. It's amazing. Oh, I've done that. That's really good. <laughs> Jason's like, you people. <laughs> I'm just saying. You can't say I've done that one, man. I like their ketchup and I like their, their spicy ketchup. I don't, I don't like ketchup, but, oh. but if I do eat ketchup, it is some Whataburger fancy ketchup or their spicy ketchup. It yeah. hits different. I know people that have never had it won't understand that. But Whataburger ketchup hits different. It really does. And that's coming from somebody that does not eat ketchup ever. I don't. I don't like ketchup. But I'm not going to lie. Every once in a while, I'll dip dip my fries in some Whataburger ketchup. I'm still like, I don't eat it all the time. Because like I said, I don't like ketchup. But if I do, it is Whataburger ketchup. Yeah, it's good. I never... When I go to any other place, like fast food place, I rarely, really never have ketchup with my fries, except when I go there, because that's how good their ketchup is. I will have it. 
when yeah, it's different. I go there. Yeah. All right. What's one of these other topics? I don't, I didn't look any of these up outside the ones I remember. Uh, I know. Oh, I remember one, one, one Jeb asking us about like mixing two movies together. Yes. Take two different movies or two different genres. Like he said movies or genres, but, but mainly, but I spoke to him a little bit after he asked the question and mainly he just meant movies. So the object of the game is you take two different movies and are there two movies that you would put together? Like you would combine them into what you think would be a good movie. So what, what are our choices? Like what, what two movies would we combine and think we would get a good movie out of it? I would do John Wick and Kroll. Oh, hmm. to see John Wick murders some aliens with a sword. <laughs> I'd do it. I'd watch. I'd watch that ninety-seven times. Actually, I'd probably watch anything with John Wick. Now that I think about it, I'd watch Love Actually mixed with John Wick. <laughs> I think John Wick would get a fresh, give a fresh perspective on four weddings and a funeral. Oh, that actually would be kind of interesting to see. I think John Wick would have kind of added a much needed spice to Corky Romano. <laughs> Corky Romano. Wow. Yeah, because he'd just kill him and the movie would be better from that point on. <laughs> it would just be over. <laughs> Dude, you can't tell me you wouldn't want to see John Wick and Freddy Got Fingered because Tom Green's character would die in the first five seconds of the movie and then it would be a better movie. Yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I can't saying, really like handle that, that suggestion. That movie would just become John Wick. <laughs> It'd be better. That's kind of tough, though. Hmm. I've got another one. Is it John Wick and Harriet the Spy? <laughs> yeah, because he would have killed that little girl and it would have just been better. <laughs> but no. Oh, God. No. It's The Last Dragon and Ghostbusters. I just think that'd be delightful. Huh. Like, show enough could get, like, powered up by a demon or a ghost or something. And Bruce Leroy would have to team up with the Ghostbusters to take him down. I think that'd be delightful. Okay. Ooh, or yeah. Last Dragon in, in the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Going up against a tag team cool. of Shonuff and fucking Shredder. Man, that's the shit right there. And we get to see Ralph get that glow because he's the best. You know who wouldn't glow? Leo. Leo's not good enough to glow. <laughs> oh, come on. Hey, just saying the truth. Just saying the truth. I'm really racking my brain. I'm trying to think. I kind of was like, I was thinking of like a Knives Out mixed with some kind of like horror suspense thing, like a Get Out type thing. Knives Out with Get Out or something, you know? I'm still... Give knives, give knives Out. What's that? It's like Get Knives Out. <laughs> get Knives Out, yes, exactly. But something along those lines, like a... Like a little bit of like a scarier or darker take on Knives Out. I think that'd be kind of cool. Ooh, or J or John Wick and Knives Out. Because then he'd just kill all the family. Man, it'd be great. <laughs> I'm sensing a trend here. Right. Yeah, but that would just become a different movie, not a better one. You know, most of the ones that said <laughs> they'd become better because somebody would die. But in this, it'd just be a different movie. Ooh, what about John Wick and Murder on the Orient Express? He would just kill all those people. Mystery solved great you know it was john wick basically yeah <laughs> and don't get me wrong i'm not even saying that like murder in the orient express is bad i love it but i'm just saying it'd be great you just want to see john wick kill a character that johnny depp plays probably oh god i can't tell you how many times i've fantasized about john wick killing every version of johnny depp 
Damn. <laughs> Ooh, what about the Matrix in John Wick? And see John Wick go up against Neo. That'd be great. I actually almost thought of that when you were saying some of your other ones. I mean, I did think of it. I'm just, I didn't say it. So, man, I'm trying to think. You know what? Maybe what might be cool. You know how, like, it used to be a thing to have those cop movies where you kind of have the odd couple cops, like, yeah, your standard buddy cop. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like those buddy cop. I wonder what it would be cool if you took, like, your two favorite odd couples. And kind of combine them. And so like there's this big case where like it goes past like it starts with these two. But then when the case kind of moves to this, maybe they're trying to catch some killer or something. And then it moves to a different jurisdiction. And then we find out that, you know, like then there's this other odd couple from this other movie. And then they kind of they all don't like each other. Then they kind of have to wind up working together and you could get scenes where the the two that are kind of like each other, they have to interact and stuff. That might be fun. Um, so you're talking about yeah. essentially doing a buddy cop version of Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Like, let's just say, who was his partner? Well, well, maybe well, his man, partner, but, but was he was in, more or less alone. Well, his yeah. partner was in Beverly Hills, though, kind of with Judge. Uh, what was what's his name? Um, oh, the one guy from the 80s. Anyway, but that guy, like. So they kind of did that, you know, but I'm just saying where the case starts in one jurisdiction and then it moves. So they have to follow the case kind of like a Beverly Hills cop. Yeah. And then they wind up running into him. So like you got to work with Axel and you got to I think that would be cool. Or like if it was like, like, what's another example of that? Well, I think of another Eddie Murphy, um, the one with him and Nick Nolte. 48 hours. Uh, I want to see 48, 48 hours, hours mixed with Beverly Hills Cop because I wanted you to see double Eddie Murphy, but him not being able to use <laughs> prosthetics. <laughs> and I want them to that ignore the fact that they look exactly alike. Like it's just That'd be never mentioned. <laughs> or like, you know, or you can mix like, yeah, like 48 hours with like Lethal Weapon or you could do freaking a rush hour that might be a fun mix like do rush hour and beverly hills cop but like you know you just got all these people who have played these like memorable cop roles so wouldn't it be cool if at some point there was they met each other you know i just think that would bite you you pick your favorite two couples and put them together and see what kind of happens there i think that might actually be cool you know and they got to solve a case together. Or like you know? Tango and Cash and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. Something like that would be tight. Um, and just have Donald, uh, what's his name? Donald Glover? No. Yes, wait, what's his name? Danny, Danny Glover. Danny yeah. Glover. Jesus. Donald Glover's the guy from Atlanta. Anyway, and just have him still walking around going, man, I'm too old for this shit still. Yeah, always. Ooh, I know one. Terminator Salvation and Starship Troopers. So then you can have like the Starship Troopers going up against like a bunch of like T-800s in the future. Damn. And then RoboCop can show up and they can just shoot and kill him. (laughs) Oh, my boy, Robo. Oh, man. I got to put RoboCop somewhere. Where would I put him? I mean, if you're going to do that, come on, Justin. You do the Terminator and RoboCop. Yeah, you can. Give everybody what they want. Yeah. 
Yeah. You just got to give the people what they want on that one. So the Terminator can just Debo Robocop and get it over with. That'd probably be in the short film category because it wouldn't take long. Be quiet about that. I hate that you said that. Um, Come on, Justin. <laughs> as slow as Robocop moves, Terminator could murder him 97 times before he takes a step. Robocop's too <laughs> durable, though. He's a walking tank. I mean, he's too durable. He got beat by a child, Terminator. Justin, in the second one. I don't want to hear that shit. They hacked him. It was the it was a uh, hack. Yeah, but, and Terminator can't hack shit. Come on, shut up. Nah, Robo's got that. But now that you mentioned that, now now you got me thinking about like comic book stuff. But it hasn't been movie stuff. I would love to see a Batman versus Predator movie. That would just be great. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. that would be great. I would actually like to see a real Batman versus Superman. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true, true. But man, that Batman versus the Predator comic was awesome. And like, Ooh. I think you could definitely do something like that now. Like just a one movie. It doesn't have to have sequels. It doesn't have to. Have, well, I mean, maybe I will. Obviously, if it makes money, they're going to want they're going to want to do a second one. Two Predators coming. Now you got Batman and Robin, you know, versus the Predators. But anyway, uh, but that first movie was great. Like, and I, and I would love to see that now. I just don't know if I want the Bale Batman or the Affleck Batman. So what you're Who saying I want? is you just want to have see to be... Predator 2 take place in Gotham. Yes, to an extent. Yeah, because yeah, we already kind of have that with Danny Glover a little bit, him being a cop and having to go up against him. But yeah, I want to see Batman do it, though, man. I want to see that. I want to see him uh, get beat with an inch of his life and barely escape and then have to figure out kind of how to trap and stalk the Predator and all that stuff. I would love to see that in a movie. Mm-hmm. What about this? What about this? J.K. Simmons, Commissioner Gordon. Versus the Predator in Gotham, like <laughs> pre Batman or something. Dude, I don't hate that idea. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that idea. Sterling, I got one for you. John Wick and Daredevil. I mean, that's the whole like what happens when like an immovable force comes up against something else. Whatever. What? What's that? What's that quote? The unstoppable force of the immovable object. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, I think something that's it. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole "Can God create a mountain he can't move?" conundrum is what that is. Although, what about Ben Affleck Batman and Ben Affleck Daredevil? Once again, no one commenting Ooh. on the fact that they look exactly alike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> double Ben Affleck. I would never say no to that. I would love to see John Wick and Moon Knight combine forces. That'd be delightful. Oh, that would be like your favorite thing ever. Yeah, I'd probably die if that came out. <laughs> like I'd watch it. And as soon as the end credits ended, I would just expire. Because what is the point of living after watching perfection? All right. What's another topic? Did you guys look anything up while I was, we br- talked about that one? Or is there anything you guys want to talk about? Just in general, we can get off the topics at this point. We don't have to stay on it. I think that didn't someone ask to know about, um, Jason's commitment to straight edge. <laughs> yes, that'd be Curtis. Curtis oh, yeah. wants us to have a conversation about that, Justin. Conversation. So, t- so tell us about tell us about your commitment to straight edge, Justin. Man, uh, <laughs> where to even begin? Um, Did you hear that? I I'm mean, opening it's... my tequila. 
<laughs> You're just going to drink while doing this right well. Um, That's some really good tequila. Man, I mean, I guess there are a lot of reasons for it, but I don't know, man. I don't even know where to begin. I guess really it just kind of started in high school. You oh, know, let me let this kind of real quick. Hold on. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of a personal promise I made to myself. And it was just kind of as a result of just, um, people who I saw kind of going through things, dealing with things and stuff like that. And, you know, talking to different friends about parents and stuff like that. And just like struggles that other people were going to. Um, So it was just something like early and early on, I think it was more like kind of religious based. Like at first it was all kind of religious based. As a matter of fact, it was mostly that because I was like super dedicated whenever I was um, like really in the church and everything. I was just super dedicated. So I was like, man, you know, I'm going to devote to this and I'm going to do this and everything. And that was kind of how it started. But then when I kind of got away from that a little bit, and it was more about kind of me and making my own choices and stuff like that, I guess really it just kind of compounded with kind of what my brother went through because, um, you know, God rest his soul and everything else. But, you know, that was kind of a struggle that he went through. So, just kind of experiencing some of that firsthand, it just kind of was started as just something like, you know, I I don't think that's anything. I just rather not have that in my life. And then the stuff with drugs and stuff like that, like I got to see people firsthand struggle with that. So it just kind of influenced, I guess, my decisions not to partake in those things. Now, I say that. Kind of solidified it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, am I, because, you know, even when I started questioning, am I making the right decision? Then it just seemed like something would happen to someone or something crazy would happen. And I would, I don't know, I guess you could say I took it almost as a sign like, well, you know, <laughs> uh, no, not me, not for me. So th- that's really where it started. And then it just kind of became, um, Yeah. And then, and I mean, really, that's where it started. And then it just kind of became something that I stuck with. And um, it ain't been the easiest road. People like Sterling, of course, give me shit sometimes. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been even, there's even been times where I've been like in front of celebrities, you know, people who um, like I looked up to and stuff. And then having to explain that, nah, man, you know, like having to turn down drinks when they're offered to you and having to explain um, different things like that. It's uh, yeah, it's it's not always the greatest place to be in. But I don't know, man. But but still, I, I'm I'm proud that I was able to kind of make that promise to myself and, you know, stick to it. And I tell people all the time, who knows how long I'll continue to do that or how long, you know, anybody can change. I always say that people can always change, you know, something in life could happen that could change your perspective on things. But right now that is just kind of something that I've been able to uh, be consistent with. So, yeah, 
it's just kind of one of those little things about me that I'm proud of. It's kind of like it's part of my code. You know how they say, like, you know, you, you'll be watching a movie or something and then the character or, you know, I think everybody to a certain extent has a code, right? Like maybe there are things that you'll do, but then there's a line that you won't cross or then there's something that's personal to you that you would not do. There's, you know, I feel like everybody kind of has those things about their personality. Well, this is mine, you know, that that's my code. That's my way of the ninja, my credo, my motto. You know, that's just kind of my thing, I guess you could say. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. a little bit about the straight edge lifestyle. Respect. You Respect. know, I like it. Typical Justin, just personally attacking me <laughs> and also going out of his way to make sure that my little start to his thing when I'm lighting a cigarette and drinking tequila, he brings up Scooter in it to just make me sound even more like a dick. and. <laughs> Just typical Justin, just using his straight edge superiority oh. to try to attack my way of life. And then people wonder why <laughs> Troll Justin Day is a thing. Man, damn, damn. Oh, but it does remind me of a funny story. Speaking of people giving me shit. Um, and this is actually kind of, it's not a bad story or anything. This is actually kind of a cool story. So there's this wrestler, um, some, if you're a wrestling fan, some people will know him, the masterpiece, Chris Masters, really cool guy. Um, well, I met him for the first time in New Orleans because me and some other, uh, wrestler people, uh, Fred, who was another passed away also was another good friend of mine and everything. And me and him and his son and some other people that went to New Orleans whenever, uh, WrestleMania was in New Orleans. So of course there's all kinds of wrestling shows and stuff. And, uh, Chris Masters and, uh, another wrestler, Carlito, pretty, that were pretty popular. They had done a show for us at, um, here in, uh, Midland or Midland, Odessa, old school wrestling. So we kind of had struck kind of a good relationship with them. So we met up with them in New Orleans and, um, we were just kind of, and we were on Bourbon Street. So of course, you know, Bourbon Street is, I mean, Bourbon Street, you know, there's hella people, everybody's walking around and it was kind of like Bizarro World because, you know, most of the time when you see Bourbon Street, you're seeing like, you know, Mardi Gras parties or they're celebrating the football team or something like that. But it was WrestleMania week that week. So just imagine Bourbon Street, but just nothing but wrestling fans and people walking around cosplaying wrestlers, people yelling their favorite chants and stuff like that. It's a completely different place uh, come WrestleMania week because, you know, all wrestling fans are in town. So wrestlers are in town. So we met up with... Uh, Chris Masters, and we were going to meet up with him and Carlito and just kind of walk around Bourbon Street, chill and have a good time. So anyway, uh, we were both in the car and I forget what happened. I think uh, Fred had left to go meet up with someone or something like that. So it was just me and Chris Masters in the car. And um, he was talking about, you know, going to get some drinks and, you know, this, that, and the other. And he was talking about how he was going to do this, that, and have fun. He was like, so, what, you know, what do you want, man? I'm, I'm going to be buying for everybody. So what are you going to get, man? You know, give me some ideas. What do you like to drink? And I told him that I didn't drink. And he was like, what? And then he was like, well, why? And 
it was funny because like, it wasn't like he was saying why, like, cause I'm about to talk shit about you. He just really wanted to know. And so we got into this conversation about why I don't do it. And he actually made some good points. He was like, well, look, man, like, I mean, you don't seem, and it was just, it was just a really good conversation and it was one I did not expect to have with Chris Masters, but we really did have this conversation. <laughs> and he was like, you know, you strike me as someone who, even if you did just do this for fun, you wouldn't abuse it or anything like that. So he's like, I mean, so just think about it, man. Like, okay, you're not going to live forever, right? And I was like, yes. And he was like, well, think about it, man. Like, this is just something that we're doing to have fun. We're not going to be driving or anything. You know, we have a designated driver like this is, uh, you know, you're you're amongst friends. And he made a very convincing argument like he was just like, you know, why wouldn't you just want to enjoy this time with your friends? You know, you and Fred, y'all are good friends, right? Like y'all been friends for like six or seven years. Yes, yes. You know, I'm answering all these questions. And he's like, you know, why wouldn't you just want to? enjoy that time. Like, does it really hurt to just want to enjoy your time? And then, um, and you know, I explained myself to him and kind of told him a similar story and everything. And he kind of shook his head and he was like, you know what, man, I respect that. I respect you. You know what, man, you, you told me straight up and he said, you know what, what you said makes a lot of sense. And I understand why you are the way you are. And he was like, so thank you for explaining that to me. And I was like, well, man, I appreciate it, man. It was a good conversation. One of the better ones I've had about this. And he was like, oh, yeah, no problem, man. Well, anyway, I'm going to get fucked up. And then he walked out of the car. And so like, (laughs) he was like, well, anyway, I'm going to get fucked up. So this is what I'm going to be drinking. And then he starts telling me like what his first drink was going to be. And then maybe he'll go with this and that. And we kind of had a laugh about it. And. But yeah, it was a really cool conversation. Like we had a philosophical discussion about it. And yeah, I just thought that would be funny to share. But yeah, anyway, that was Chris Masters. That's cool. I mean, I like to drink because of of my heritage. And by that, I mean just being a human being. Because like civilization (laughs) was built around the creation of alcohol. And I sound ridiculous, but I, I very much mean that. The idea of turning uh, excess wheat and grapes and other things you could grow into something else before it would it would spoil is a very valuable thing when you don't have ways to store stuff like refrigeration or anything. And that was a way of being able to use grain and, like I said, wheat. Well, that is grain, sorry. And grapes and stuff like that, you know, so you're not wasting any of your harvest. And so that, that's a big turning point in civilization was fermentation and the creation of alcoholic beverages. Um, it also helped because back in the day, you didn't always have the cleanest of water supplies. And so you would drink wine or mead or something like that because uh, the alcohol would kill anything and would allow you to be able to drink something so you don't die, you know, without getting sick. And so, because I respect the history of humanity, I want that tradition to keep going. So I drink alcohol. Really deep and profound. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I mean, Justin wouldn't survive in the Middle Ages with this whole straight edge thing. I would. 
because I could drink wine and beer. <laughs> I'm just saying, Justin, you should think about that as our heritage as human beings. I and will, Sterling. I will. Um, I smoke tobacco because it is delicious. So that's where I stand. <laughs> Good to know. So just something to think about, Justin. By drinking alcohol, you are contributing to less waste in the world. <laughs> also, Damn. little known fact, beer used to be a breakfast drink back in the day. So oh, really? drinking beer for breakfast is not weird. Just saying. Yeah, like in the Middle Ages and stuff like that, beer was drank in the mornings. You would drink beer in the mornings, not wine. I know nowadays it's so popular to drink a mimosa. But traditionally speaking, uh, you would drink beer in the mornings because it was very carbohydrate heavy. Give you energy for the day. Mm, okay, good to know. So just mull that around, Justin. I will. I, I will. I will meditate on these on these thoughts that you have given me. <laughs> And also, just when I really think about it, it's tasty shit. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't drink things that I think are disgusting. I know a lot of people have problems with Malort. I don't find Malort bad. Therefore, I drink Malort. Um, I know a lot of people have problems with tequila. I think it is nice and delightful tasting. Same with whiskey and bourbon. Depends on the scotch. I kind of am an alcoholic, so I can't really say much about what I wouldn't drink. Um, I don't drink a lot of vodka. I, I'm not a huge fan of vodka. I like rum. Like, I love gin. Yeah. I'm not. What about picky. logs? Don't you drink logs or what is it called? They're loggers. Yes. Yes. When I drink beer, I do prefer loggers. Uh, in a pinch, I, uh, I'll drink a pilsner. Um, I also like a good box. It's very good. Uh, I am not a fan of IPAs, so I was never really into the trendy craft beer situation. They're a little too hop-heavy for my taste. But, yes, I do prefer a lager when it comes to beer, Justin. You are correct. Especially a good black lager. A good black lager is very nice. Guinness used to make a great one. It was like a triple-filtered black lager. It was so good. I feel like I'm, like, really basic with what I like. Like, I like wine mostly red and then i like a vodka cranberry that's pretty good and a margarita those are my ones that i like the most hey good margarita is hard to turn down right i don't drink a lot of red wine if i do it tends to be like a merlot because i tend to like my wines a yeah, little dry good. so i drink a lot of merlot and chardonnay when i drink wine i prefer chardonnay that's my favorite year round i'll drink chardonnay year round but yeah you know i like understand cab Cabernet. Yeah. Cabs tend to be a little too sweet for my taste. I love them. That's my favorite red wine. What's your favorite wine, Justin? Welch's grape juice? <laughs> um. Well, before I did the, the edge thing, I did have, um. what was it, a white wine? Some girl had me. I drank some one of those. It was either red wine or white wine, something like that. <laughs> I like how you don't even a... know the color of it. <laughs> It was, it was so right. long ago, you don't know. <laughs> it might have been both. Maybe it was a Christmas one. I don't know. Do they Maybe do that? Do they do red wine? Yeah, I was about to say, that's called a rosé, Justin. When you, a a rosé. When you mix a red and a white. Okay. Is there a blue one the where you can have red, white, and blue? Or I There is technically blueberry wine out there. It might be of a more bluish tint. That's tight. Well, I didn't have that. I, I think I just had 
red or white. Curious. So you didn't have a blueberry <laughs> wine mixed with a red wine and a white wine and call it an American wine? No, I didn't there have it. There you go. But that would have been really cool to go out like that. But no, it was, I drank it and I was like, eh, it's all right. And I've tried beer before, but before I did all of this, I've, so I've drank before, but yeah, but once I decided not to, I just didn't. But before that, before I was an edger, I, I did a little bit, but I didn't see what the big deal was. I guess I just uh, didn't do it enough to kind of develop a taste and a tolerance, and I didn't explore it enough to kind of learn all the different. So, you know, I tried beer for the first time, and I was like, ugh, it's kind of bitter. I don't see what the big we'll deal is. And then, you know, I drank the wine, and it was kind of similar. I was like, well, this tastes better than beer, but I don't. What? So why is this great? And she was like, uh, I remember her trying to explain to me why it was great. And I was like, oh, that's that's so tight. But really, in my head, I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, I I hate it when people say like with beer, especially or something. Oh, you just have to drink the shitty beer until like it tastes good. Like you develop a taste for it and all this other stuff. Because people used to say that to me all the time in college. Yeah. And especially because I did I did not drink while I was in college. I actually was against drinking back then. And then I and then what I found though is it wasn't that you have to develop a taste for beer. You just actually have to have one you like, like one that tastes good. And then you go, "Oh, not all beer tastes like shit." Got it. And then you get used to that and then you can drink shittier beers, you know, because you get those <laughs> like familiar notes to it. <laughs> But there are beers out there that are like good. You know what I mean? And like that was the difference for me is then like I had a good beer once and I was like, oh, this is what good beer tastes like. I can get on that. And then I started drinking my head off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me, too, wine was an acquired taste. Like I remember when I first had it, I was like, eh. and then maybe it's because I didn't have a good one the first time I had it. I don't really know. But yeah, it was one of those where. And I used to really only like white wine because I really liked the sweeter wines. Um, but then slowly the red wine just grew on me and it's now like my favorite. So, yeah, sometimes it's an acquired taste. Kind of like for me, too, sushi was an acquired taste. It was weird the first time I had it. And then I was like, actually, this is really good. So that happens sometimes, I think. See, I was the same way with wine. I used to hate wine. I thought it was the worst thing in the world. And it's because I had had nothing but sweet wines. And like I said, I don't like yeah. sweet wines even now, you know. So once I had a dry wine, I was like, oh, this is good. Got <laughs> it. I just think if you're ever going to start drinking, Justin, if that ever happens, you just need to try a bunch of different kind of stuff. Not all in one night. We don't need to kill you because we know how <laughs> sensitive and delicate your, you know, constitution is when it comes to <laughs> items you consume. But I'm just saying you tried like a bunch of different types of drinks. Because you might find that you don't like a gin, but you might like vodka. You know what I mean? Like, and even then, even in the mm. gin world and all this other stuff, there's several different types of gin that have drastically different tastes. You know, some tend to be like more floral heavy, like a death's door. Death's door gin is a very floral heavy gin. Uh, Aviator tends to be a little bit more floral. I like simpler gins just for the sheer fact that I do prefer a gin and tonic. 
so I don't necessarily need those floral notes in my beverage. Whereas if you're making another style of a gin cocktail, they might work better. So, I mean, I'm just saying, if you ever decide to drink, you have to experiment with everything. Okay. Though I have found, I mean, and maybe that's just me, mixing your types of drinks in one evening is not always the best idea. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not saying do it all in one night. You know, maybe one night you try like four different kinds of whiskey, you know, or like another night try different types of vodka drinks. And I'm like, yeah. say, like I said, don't that's go crazy. That's the best way to do it. But just do one night of whiskey drinks, one night of vodka drinks, and then you turn into a Chumbawamba song. and that being said i think it's also important to say that despite my views on like drinking alcohol and drugs and smoking and stuff like that um i'm not unpleasant to be around whenever i am around (laughs) drinking and stuff i'm not one of those people where it's like i'm grimacing the whole time because i'm like oh my friends are drinking i feel like i'm still fun. You know, I can have fun regardless of if alcohol is at the party or people are drinking alcohol or regardless. I can't say I've just been hanging around while people are doing drugs, but, um, but yeah, some of my stances on some of that stuff though, like marijuana and stuff like that. I'm actually one of the people who thinks that that should probably be more of a legalized thing. I know that there are people who, actually smoke it for medicinal purposes. So I'm not really one of those people that's like, man, drugs and alcohol and everything will kill you and it's all bad and it needs to go away. I'm not that person either. You don't have to be that person to have these sort of behaviors and things. So yeah, yeah I mean, you'd like be when surprised. You were, yeah. When you were here and we went to that diehard bar, <laughs> you didn't get oh, any yeah. alcoholic drinks, but you had fun. Yeah. I mean, so. and I, I will give you that, Justin. You're not like a vegan with your straight edgeness. Uh, you know, because <laughs> that's funny. I mean, in all seriousness, though, you, you and me have been around each other a ton when I'm drinking and smoking. Everybody that's been around me in the last, I don't know, 15 years has been around me smoking. That's that's what I am. But yeah, no, you've been around me tons of times drinking and all this other stuff. And I, I will say this, like, yeah, you would be, if you were like that, though, like if you were like super anti for everybody, yeah, you and me probably wouldn't be friends at this point, like realistically yeah. speaking. Yeah. And have you dealt with that before? Um, no. I mean, in, in a lot okay. of ways, I was kind of like that when I was younger. Like I said, I wasn't a drinker uh, in college and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And. I didn't understand people that were. I had issues in relationships with girlfriends at that time that were drinking and stuff like that. And been there. Eventually, been there. eventually I grew up and realized that, you know, my personal views on it shouldn't necessarily dictate somebody else's behavior with it. Yeah. As yeah. long as they weren't being self-destructive with it. You know, if somebody's drinking at a party but being safe on their way home and like having somebody else take them home or getting a ride with somebody what's the harm in that you know like it took me a while to realize that and you know because there are worse situations now like if they're getting drunk and then driving themselves yeah that's an issue you know that isn't something people should do you know and that's something to have an issue with but them drinking and then being safe going home there was no reason i should have had an issue with that 
but I did just because I didn't drink. You know what I mean? And yeah, like I said, over time, I realized my point of view with it was wrong. And so I handled that differently. Like then, and then I started drinking myself and felt like more of a hypocrite. <laughs> but I mean, I think that that is also part of growing up and maturing within yourself and experiencing life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I, and I do think it's funny when you brought up weed and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I am the same way as much as I am the exact opposite of straight edge. Um, I have never done drugs before, you know, like I've never smoked weed. And I used to look down on people that did until I realized because, and a lot of it was the growing up with dare and all that other bullshit. Yep. I was you know? big on all of that. Yeah. You get, you, you really, that stuff takes a hold over you. All of that anti-drug speech and they don't really tell you the truth about that stuff. It's just kind of a blanketed statements like it's all bad and don't ever do it and stay away from it. And yeah, I was very much that kid for a long time. And we, and even though I didn't like go, well, hell yeah, I'm going to do drugs when I understood it more and read about it more and stuff like that. But really, it just made me go, man, even though I'm not doing it myself, it just made me realize just kind of how hypocritical some of our stances are with some of that stuff, you know? Yeah, because I grew up versus with dare, anything else. dare and defy it. And my dad was a cop. And I mean, I used to believe like what they would teach you that like marijuana is just as bad as heroin. And like, that's the big fallacy of it all. It's not in no way, shape or form is marijuana anywhere near as bad as heroin. But yeah, legally speaking and what they teach kids and stuff like it that it is that heroin and marijuana are literally the same thing almost, you know, and it really fucks you up. Like once you learn, that, like, especially with marijuana, that it's not as bad. Like now I know a lot of people that smoke weed. I live in a state where it's legal now, you know, like I said, I still haven't done it. And it, a lot of it has to do with my job um, because we could get random drug tests. And also if I ever get hurt on the job, it's a mandatory drug test. And even if it is legal in my state, I would lose my job, you know? So I don't, I still don't do that or anything like that, but I know a ton of people to do. And I do feel better now knowing that some of these people aren't going to go to jail or get a felony or get some stupidly in stupid legal trouble over something that is relatively harmless. You know, they're not doing heroin. And even then, yeah, like my stances on heroin, whenever like, the Moors come out with like addiction research and stuff like that and how beneficial some things like uh, drug spaces, like clinics that actually medicinally inject you with heroin because you are a heroin addict and they do it because they know you're going to do it. So they at least do it in a medically supervised space. So you don't OD how those things can actually be benef more beneficial to society and you have less uh, overdoses. You have, uh, less rates of addiction. You actually have people who are addicts that are more likely to become clean because of those situations, you know? Hmm. So as the more yeah. research comes out, you know, you see the other side of that stuff too. You know what I mean? And, you know, and just, it's like, it's, it's how fucked up some of our policies are on some of that stuff. Like I said, marijuana can stay in your system for 30 days. So you can smoke like weed 30 days ago, get in a wreck and lose your job even though weed had nothing to do with your wreck just because of how long it stays in your system. But then I know like a ton of people that are like union workers who do to get drug tests and all this other stuff all the time, but they do a lot of Coke because you can do a lot of Coke on Friday night. And by Monday, 
if you get a random drug test, you're fine because it's out of your system. Hmm. Like, what is more destructive, binging Coke on Fridays or just smoking a joint every once in a while, like when you get off work, <laughs> knowing you're not going to be high the next morning when you go to work, <laughs> you know? But one can get you fired and the other one is less likely to get you fired because you won't get caught doing it. That's dumb, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it just seems so hypocritical. Like, it feels like alcohol just kills infinitely more people. Like, you would think that than marijuana does, but, like, marijuana's, like, considered. And then you just think about all the people, like, who have gone to jail and just, like, all the— then you think about the war on drugs and all these other things kind of tied to— that stuff, you know. Oh, don't get and me started like, on war on drugs. And, and it's just like, how did we get here? Like, how did we arrive here? And that's not to say that alcohol should be banned or anything. I'm not saying that either. But it's just like when you look at the two, though, like which one is really more dangerous? Like, you know, it's just like I mean, like I said, there are people who do marijuana for medical purposes. You know, you can be written a prescription for that. You yeah. Know? And then with that, too, though, when you really look at some of that stuff, a lot of it has to do with our our country's attitudes on alcohol in other countries like Germany, where you can drink beer at 16. You know, you can't yeah. drink. I think it's like 16 for beer. I think 18 for wine and 21 for liquor, you know. And so with that. They've got a more open approach to alcohol in some instances, which sounds dangerous, but people are more educated on it. So they yeah. do have less instances of binge drinking, which is a, a big problem in colleges for deaths with alcohol-related deaths. You have less instances of, they've, they've got infinitely better public transportation systems throughout these countries. So you have less issues also with drunk driving and those, you know, and things like that, you know where our society seems to build build itself to facilitate those things. Public transportation in our country is looked down upon infinitely. So people are more likely to drive drunk. Before Uber yeah. and Lyft and stuff like that, somewhere like Midland, Texas, didn't have taxis. Yep. So you couldn't didn't. just get somebody to pick, you know, you couldn't just call a cab and get home, you know. I mean, Uber and Lyft have helped bridge that gap. And I would be interested to actually find numbers to show if things like Uber and Lyft have actually lowered DWIs and alcohol-related vehicle fatalities since their inception, you know, and becoming a more nationwide thing. Like, Midland ha now has Uber and Lyft, which is great, you know. Yeah. You can lessen things I, like that. I would have to think it would have had to have put a, at least a small dent in it because even when in the conversations that I've had with Uber drivers and stuff like that, that's one of the things that they talked about. And, I, and several drivers said that to me, like some of our most busiest days are like those Friday nights and Saturday nights. And this was like prior, uh, prior to COVID. And of course everything's kind of changed now, but that's, but they, but even maybe even now, but like they said that like Fridays and Saturdays nights are like, the 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 busiest nights and most of the time you're just picking up and taking home drunk people that's what a lot of them told me so i would imagine you know that's one 
or two or three or four less people that aren't driving drunk, you know, anytime they was they were picking somebody up. So I would imagine that has made an impact. But, yeah, I'd be curious to see that, too. I mean, I remember last time I was in Midland for Katie's wedding. I was beyond wasted. I spent three hundred dollars on a cash bar that night. I was drunk and yep, just took a lift back to the hotel. Great. You know, and I just had to have somebody uh, bring me back there the next day to uh, pick up my car because, yeah, I was safe, you know, and th- and that's the nice thing about it is you get to be more responsible now. Yeah, it costs you a little bit more money, but it's infinitely cheaper than not dying or causing somebody else to die or getting a DUI or any of that shit, you know? Yeah. And, you know, while I have been notoriously drunk and, you know, a decent amount of time in my life. I don't drive that way. You know, I still, you know, always lean towards being responsible when it comes to stuff like that. And that's one of the good things, I guess, about the way I do it. But, but like I was saying though, like our country's attitudes towards that stuff, some of these other things that don't seem like they're related to alcohol, public transportation policies don't seem like they really have any correlation with drinking, but they do when it comes to driving it drunk, you know, also like with, college and stuff like that the atmosphere and our country's attitudes for when you can drink and all this other stuff just increase the likelihood of people binge drinking you know yeah like oh i can't drink it all during the week but i'm gonna get beyond fucked up friday and saturday night you know especially when you have you go from not really drinking or drinking you know a little bit in high school or something like that and now you're in college getting super bombed and stuff like that yeah like that increases your likelihood of um, getting alcohol poisoning and stuff like that. And our, like I said, our country's attitudes kind of push that in a sad yeah. way. Our country's attitudes towards addiction and mental health mean that when people have problems, they're not seeking the help they need because of the other stigmas, you know? Yeah. And so when you have all those types of mentalities and stuff like that, it makes alcohol a more dangerous substance in our country then some of these things like marijuana and, and, and shrooms and stuff like that that are considered narcotics, you know, that will get you in jail longer than driving drunk. And that's part of it also. You can go to jail longer for weed in some instances than you can for driving drunk, you know? Yeah. So like a lot of those attitudes and things like that, that's the reason why alcohol is so dangerous in this country. And I know it is in other countries too. I'm not saying that alcohol is just a utopia, you know, substance in other countries. But I'm just saying it's worse than ours because of the way we build up in society. Plus, yeah, you know, people always find a like our country's celebration practices drive just alcohol. Oh, you're getting married. Have champagne. Do a toast. Do a toast for this. Do a toast for that. Alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. You know, it's. Oh, you know, I just got a promotion. We're going to the bar and I'm buying a round of drinks for everybody. You know what I mean? Like so much of our country is built around drinking. Yeah. And I say that as somebody that when I got married, spent a lot of money on having an open bar. Or like I said, whenever I went to my friend's wedding, I spent 300 plus dollars on a cash bar. That's ridiculous. Um, Yeah, no, I loved it though. I had fun. I was drunk as fuck. It was great. But but I mean, yeah, like I said, a lot of those attitudes, that's why we have problems with that stuff in this country. And it's really sad because like you said, how many B 
billions and trillions of dollars that have been spent over the years on dare to to teach people the wrong thing the war on drugs to fight the wrong thing yeah. you know we've spent so much money fighting the wrong problems instead of ever actually going at the root cause of shit i mean it's kind of Man. up there it's it's the same logic when people are like well slavery wouldn't exist if black people didn't sell slaves to white people in africa it's the same thing with the war on drugs it's like well people wouldn't do drugs if we just kill all the sellers like you, you yeah. don't address the root cause or the the reasons why people want it or you know and things like that yeah man that is like america in a nutshell just eating away at all these symptoms or focusing on this over here but not really handling the cause i mean that is like that is like one of america's defining traits well, That's kind of I mean, sad. it's like, you know, why can't we have universal health care in this country? And they're like, well, because health care is too expensive. And it's like, well, yeah, you do realize it's too expensive because it's here. Like expensive health care is a uniquely American problem. Also, we it's weird because we spend the most money on health care and we have I think we're ranked 26th in health care results. So we spend the most to be 26. What kind of shit is that? You know? We, we are one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and we have one of the worst public transportation networks in the world. We have zero high-speed rail systems in this fucking country. We are the wealthiest country in the world, and we have zero high-speed rail. Now, people are trying to change that in, like, California, and I know in Illinois, and in certain places, they're trying to get hyperloops and stuff like that open. But still, like, holy fuck. Like, there are countries we would look down upon and consider third-world countries. They've got high-speed rail systems because they understand it's more beneficial to their people as a whole than not. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we weirdly in this country attack the wrong things. And you know who I think is one of the originators of the modern version of that? The wife of the most, my most hated president, Nancy Reagan. I was wondering how long we'd have to do one of these episodes for me to be, be able to bring up the Reagans. Oh, and all I'll Reagans. say is the reason why I bring up Nancy is Nancy Reagan's the one that started the D.A.R.E. program and all that. And then Ronald started the war on drugs. So I figured that's where you were going when you mentioned D.A.R.E. I figured it was going to turn into yeah, something about the Reagans. Me hating the Reagans. I read a there's a documentary series that Showtime did called the Reagans. And I read one of the reviews for it on iTunes. And this person was like one star. And they were like. How dare they attack the Reagans? Nancy Reagan is the most influential first lady that's ever existed. She started the D.A.R.E. program, and we're still doing that 40 years later. Name one other thing that any other first lady, especially Michelle Obama, has ever done that's as impactful as that. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you do realize that program is garbage and does more harm than anything, right? Like, you're just openly admitting that... <laughs> She started a program that has essentially created 40 years of drug addiction and awful drug education that has set our country back more than a like policy wise compared to other first world countries, more than most things like the sheer amount of people worldwide that have died because of the war on drugs, not even including just Americans here dealing with drug addiction that are dying because of it, because the educational system on drugs is just so fucking terrible 
that we, they have no sense of relief if they do become addicted. Yeah. Especially if they're poor. If they're rich, oh, you can go spend a month at Betty Ford and it's a fucking great time and then you'll probably still come out addicted. But if you're poor and you actually seek drug treatment, it's punitive. It costs you more money, puts you in debt, and then you may or may not be, you know, rec like recovering after it because there's no standards on it. There's no regulation on it. I mean, there are people that are able to be out there and have rehabilitation clinics that have no medical training, no psychological training. They just have the money to pay the licensing fees. Like, how the fuck do we allow that? Man. And then they can get state-sponsored contracts to make sure that people that are uh, that would be put in jail for drugs have the alternative to go to their facility that may or may not actually help them. So they just get money from the state and from taxpayers and from the poor to just be forced to do that with zero accountability on results. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> nice. I like that. See, this is actually why we did talk about doing these episodes was because we'd have conversations like this before and after we recorded. So for all you Cine fans out here, that's the real reason why we kind of decided to do stuff like this. Uh, every once in a while is because we would have conversations like this before and after recordings. And we just thought it'd be fun to let you guys hear some of the shit. That's why like Heather was talking about how she's not surprised that I was, you know, bringing up Nancy Reagan. Cause this is not the first time Heather or Justin has talked about me or like heard me ranting about how much I fucking hate the Reagans. Yep. And it's finally, it was about time we gave them a taste. So I'm glad we got to do this. The next <laughs> time I bring up the Reagans, I'm going to bring up trickle down economics. That's going to be a fun one. Oh, God. Oh. I mean, here's a preview of it. The logic. Hey, if we give rich people more money, surely they'll just give it to poor people instead of actually keeping it themselves. Oh, wait, they didn't. We just need to give them more money and maybe then they'll do it. And just doing that for 40 fucking years and notice how it never changed. <laughs> In a nutshell. Do you guys want to do another topic? <laughs> Yeah, you got to save some for the next one we do. Uh, what was another good one that was on there? What was the cancel culture one that Devin brought up? Well, Devin specifically uh, talked to us in a group message about cancel culture in movies. I mean, we can talk about cancel culture as a whole, not necessarily just on a cinematic level, but. Oh, I remember now. It was, are there some tropes? Like, I think it wasn't to talk about cancel culture, but he was saying, you know, in kind of line with uh, cancel culture, since it's a t hot button topic right now, are there some tropes that we think need to be canceled? Or if you could cancel old tropes or old things or something like that in movies, what would you cancel? Or what do you think needs to be canceled? I've got one that's kind of a modern trope that I find very weird. And a lot of like Shoot. teen drama tv shows there's a high amount of teenagers fucking their teachers and it's very weird yeah that's true yeah i mean pretty little liars did it uh riverdale did it there's a the show last man standing with tim allen they've got an episode where like the the star quarterback was like working at their store he's fucking one of his teachers and it's played off as a joke it's just like what the fuck is going on that's true. And with yeah. that, can we also get past the whole thing of like, oh, then there was that Adam Sandler movie, That's My Boy, where he fucked his, you know, teacher and that stuff. 
but and then on top of that, can we get past the whole idea of it being okay if a male student fucks a female teacher? Because that's still not good either. Yeah. That's a trope that I really think should get canceled. I, I like that I agree. One. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it's and it's they they use that a lot. And it's almost seen as like this, you know, it's like so such a fantasy for like these writers or people, or maybe it's something that they've um experienced themselves. Or sometimes I've even seen it where, you know, you'll have women and they'll be talking, and then one of them is like, Well, you know, somebody will have, it'll be like a truth or dare or something. And then they'll go, you know, I've never had sex with a teacher. And then one of them's like, I have. And everybody's like, oh, like it's this cool thing. And it's like, right. Is it though? <laughs> oh, also Dawson's Creek. That's another big example of somebody fucking their teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just like mm-hmm. a weirdly unique late nineties to now thing that, that just started becoming somewhat common in teen shows. And I'm just like, can we stop that? That's so fucking weird. I actually, um, <laughs> there was a girl that I was classmates with that ended up marrying one of our teachers. <laughs> oh, I had so, that, like a girl that graduated with me. Um, within weeks of us graduating was with a teacher. And you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. And <laughs> I remember one time, and I think you were there for it, Justin. We were talking about how there was a teacher who at, at Robert E. Lee High School that was known for fucking male high school football uh, players. And we were talking about it and somebody didn't believe us. And then there was another manager named Elijah who was there. And then he was like, wait, what are you talking about? And then somebody said her name and he was like, oh yeah, how she used to, like how she fucks kids. And you're like, see, like, yeah, we, like it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, we know, like. As much as everybody liked the thought it was a secret or didn't believe it, like it was fairly fucking common knowledge. Yep. Damn. I think there's one that I I know we kind of touched on a little bit when we did our tropes and movies in general, but um, the idea that the plus sized female is either always the comedic relief or can never be like the main love interest and that needs to go because that's i mean that's not relatable to most people (laughs) you know what i mean and i think that that's i think that that's played out i think that it's yeah it's just dumb too because it's just like it it kind of gives america and the world this idea that if you don't look this way then you actually don't deserve this love story you know what I mean? And I just think that it's stupid to keep doing that. So, yeah. And I just don't even think it's true at all now. Like, right. I don't even know if like the super skinny woman is even in right now. I, I don't know if I can even say that. I mean, sure. Well, there's always, there'll always be a market for them, obviously. But, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying women who are skinny aren't pretty or anything like that. I'm not trying to, put people in these categories, but I don't know, man, right now, man, you know, it seems like the most trendy look now is somebody who is, you know, it's kind of like this, there's like this ideal fit woman and she's kind of thick, you know, she's kind of bigger than, you know, I feel like larger women are 
in right now, or at least that's what it feels like, just based on what I see on just social media and stuff like that. And just like, like, even when I go to the gym, it just feels like women are just, you know, bigger. And I don't mean necessarily like fatter or anything like that, but just, I just mean bigger period. Like, like, I don't know if the super skinny woman is kind of like considered, you know, cause I think, you know, you go through periods of time and it, it fluctuates on what people consider, like what the, the standard is. I mean, you could argue there probably shouldn't yeah. be a standard, but but like, well, what I mean is just kind of what people think and say and what you see on social media. And right now, like the, the kind of the trend is, is that just to be proud of like what size you are and stuff like that. And I see women of all different sizes posting pictures and stuff and they get plenty of love, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, well, and I definitely think it's it's better now like i think that especially in the past couple of years it's definitely been more of like celebrate how you look no matter what and i do agree i think it's definitely yeah. better um and i think that's why i think that's why i love lizzo so much because i think she's just like really a role model for what women should you know aspire to be just very confident in your skin and kind of like i don't really want to change what i look like you know and I think there are some role models who who do that. And um, and I do think you're right. I think that it's a more widely accepted thing. And it's it's made women who aren't that, you know, super thin, you know, woman feel more confident in who they are. But I still feel like it's lacking in, you know, in in entertainment in Hollywood. Um it's it's still yeah. pretty lacking there, at least right now. Yeah. And that and that's all I was doing was just kind of affirming your point that it's not in movies enough. They still act like mm-hmm. it's you've got to be this certain type of woman to get the guy or to be a central character and stuff like that. And there are just mm-hmm. so many real world examples that just disprove that, you know. So right. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, because nowadays like it, even in movies and TV shows and stuff like that, if they want, if they want somebody to be bigger, but they want them to be the, like the lead or something like that, they, it's sometimes just prosthetics. They don't even get somebody that's bigger. They get mm-hmm. like a skinny person and put prosthetics on them or, and they make that the joke and stuff like that. I mean, some of that has been changing, but yeah, like you guys said, they're very rarely still willing to make them the lead or make them something else. Yeah. And yep, it's really, you know, it is, it's sad that, that, that's still so common, you know? And then when they do it sometimes too, they'll put somebody that's, you know, like might have like a big ass or something like that or slightly wider hips. But other than that would still be like traditionally skinny and they just mm-hmm. have them and they're like, oh, I'm so big. Everybody's like, yeah, but you're big, but you're beautiful. And you're like, in motherfucker, what universe are they actually still considered big? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so true. They do that. I mean, they yeah. got a fat ass. Like, that's it. And that's fine. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about a fat ass. I'm just saying that that's not really the definition of being somebody that's, like, big, you know? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a good one. I would um, agree. I guess one for me is... uh 
because I was thinking about this and the the trope of the whole thing where like a man is just persistent and the woman just kind of gives in like in you know like and you don't see it as much anymore so maybe it is kind of something that has subtly been canceled but like you know how like there would be these scenes and like at first the woman's mad at the guy or she's like don't touch me or no or whatever and the guy is persistent and then she just kind of then just gives in and now they're just having hot sex or whatever the case may be you know Mm -hmm. can we stop kind of doing this no but the guy keeps coming and then he gets her kind of thing like, yeah, I don't think I, I want to see that. that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think. And there are so many examples of it. it. It's happened in so many movies. And I know you've seen that scene where like, it's just like the, you know, the woman's angry or upset and doesn't want to have anything to do with the guy. And then the guy just keeps on or he grabs her wrist. She can't get away. And then all of a sudden they're kissing and it's like a great thing. And it's like, I don't know, man, like you think about like all the conversations about rape culture and stuff. You think about like the Pepe Le Pew stuff and you think about like all that kind of stuff. And you're like, man, yeah, we need to stop doing that. We need to stop sending that message that you can just do this, that if you just persist and even though they don't want to, they'll just give in. And that's like a victory for guys or whatever. We got to We got to get rid of that mentality right (laughs) yeah so that was just one that really just stuck out to me and now it's even like when you go back and watch some of those other movies you just begin to realize like how we kind of have perpetuated that culture like i was watching the first rocky and go back and watch that scene where adrian is in his apartment and she keeps saying, you know, I want to go and I'm, I don't think I want to stay. And then he kind of shuts the door behind her. And I want to say he even locks the door. And then there's just all this back and forth. And I mean, it's a long scene. And now and I and I don't remember watching it back then and thinking about these things because we're just so much more aware of things now. And obviously it was a different time and stuff like that. But yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it is. Like, I'm just sitting here going, oh, my God, this is, like, uncomfortable now. And I think that that needs to continue. You know, I don't I, I want it to get to where scenes like that are just not in movies at all, because if they are, then something will be said about it. So, yeah, just definitely something I want to see gone. And, like. I mean, it's funny, like, looking back on it with, like, teen comedies when we were growing up and stuff like that, or, like, romantic comedies and stuff when we were growing up, like, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what did I do back then that might have been, like, now considered cringy in the same way, you know? Hmm. Like, you know, just like, you know, like, the whole teen, like, you know, just the way that, like, teen comedies perpetuated relationships and stuff like that, like. I do know there's lots of things I've done in my past with in relationships and and stuff like that that I'm just like, ew, like, why the fuck would you do that? You know, mm-hmm. like be that type of person and and stuff like that. And it's just because like that's what you were shown all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
you thought we thought mm-hmm. it was okay yeah and you know and stuff like that and granted i was never anything like you know locking somebody in my apartment but just like in general it's just some of that cringy behavior you know or just the idea that like you know back in the day if you ask a girl out on a date and she's like no you're just like whatever bitch like you know and like yeah like you know especially like when i was like way younger like in high school and stuff like that yeah you get like mad at them for it and like now looking back on it, it's like there's no reason to be mad but like yeah. they were taught yeah. that like if a girl didn't want to go out with you there must be something wrong with her then you know or she was just too stuck up or this or that and like you're just like oh that's such a dumb mentality but they showed you that all the time yeah you know and yeah just like looking back on it you're like oh i can't believe i was that guy yeah, yeah. i mean just in in general like the the relationships you see in movies where it's like you have to convince the girl that she should be into you when it's like should she really need the convincing though <laughs> like she either is or she isn't like i mean cuz it makes me think about the notebook too and ryan oh, gosling fuck just that. like Fucking yeah, movie. like when he's like, go out with me or I'm going to fall off this Ferris wheel or whatever it was. And I'm just like, is that really the way you want to get her to go out with you is by like threatening your to life? Yourself? Like, That's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's and it's stuff like that where it's like, you know, I get that it's like, oh, he's being persistent because he, you know, he's going after what he wants, like the movies that do that kind of thing. But it's also like. You know, it just makes it feel like if the if the female says no, then like that should be it. <laughs> like, why do you have to keep like convincing them that they should say yes to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. And normally the no is just the challenge is just the mountain that this guy must climb. You get a no and then that's just and then the object is to get the yes. Like <laughs> the no is just the no never just means no. Right. You know, and, like, you know the, it's interesting because the only like I'm thinking of different movies and stuff like that. One movie that I think actually does do it in a way that's not super cringy, at least in my opinion, is 27 Dresses. When James Marsden is like he, he finds her planner and then he just like jokingly puts like date with me, a date with me. Like he does it in a way that's like more funny and comedic. But his character doesn't come across as somebody who's going to keep like. Being like, you know, he's he's not going to be like weird about it if she says no. He's just being playful about it, hoping that eventually she'll change her mind because he's so charming kind of thing. Like, it's a different type of way that he does it. So, I don't know. That's the only one I can think of where it could be borderline creepy, but somehow the way that he pulls it off is not, if that makes sense. So, I don't know. Well, that is the whole charming man, like, fallacy with that whole stuff is because James Marsden's charming, it's not creepy. Yeah. But if I did that, it might be creepy. <laughs> even, if yeah. I, even if I have the exact same personality in a lot of ways, you know, James Marsden looks like a charming man. I look like an angry asshole. <laughs> so if I did it, it would look like a serial killer. So I don't know if that's I'm true, gonna say but it's that's creepy. funny. <laughs> But I mean, you get, you get what I mean, but you're right though, because it's almost like, you know, if it's something that you're okay with them doing it just because they are charming and, you know, attractive, 
does it make it any better that they're doing it than somebody that you're not interested in? Like the only reason that you're okay with it is because of like the smooth talking or whatever that they put with it. But it's like, if somebody who wasn't smooth did the same thing, you'd be like, this is creepy. Get away from me. So it's like, does it make it better? You know, it's the same situation. (laughs) I don't know. It makes you think about it though. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's a, that's a good point. And that's kind of, I guess some of the, uh, some of the other ways you can look at it. So yeah, you got to, there, there are lines, I guess, with different people and things that people allow and stuff like that. But yeah, you, you make a valid point with that. But I just think that thing about like, but just that whole part about like, well, she said no to me, but she really means yes in the right Try situation. Or, yeah. or yeah, <laughs> yeah, this well, just means. How many times in movies do you hear that, though? Well, she said no, but she means try harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's, all, it's not... like it's like they portray women like the Will Ferrell character in Austin Powers, where if you ask him like the same question three or five times in a row, he then has to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the same thing. Like she can only say no a hundred times, but if I, if I ask the hundred and one time, she'll say yes. Mm-hmm. It's like you have a punch card. Like every 10 no's you get a yes. Yeah. Yep. And I guess that's just what we've been taught is that we can, you know, we can win if we just persist. And sometimes that persist leads to you not asking or you not doing it in a flirty way or doing it in a playful way. You're just kind of being rapey. And I think it's true. It's just all that culture and being taught that if you just persist, you can you can win this. If you just keep asking, you will get it. If you just, you know, you can win her over this idea of winning them over. You know what I mean? It's just it all kind of kind of placates to that stuff. So and it's such a fine line, I feel like, between like putting your best foot forward because you want to impress and just being and just kind of doing doing things because you want them to give in and change their mind. Like, it's just a yeah. fine line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Very fine line. I mean, but it's also one of those things that like, like the idea behind it sometimes is understandable. It's like, well, if you got to know me, maybe you would be attracted to me. Right. You actually know who I am. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. You know, sometimes getting yeah. to know somebody, you can become more attracted to them. And that is a real thing. But it also depends on how you go about it. If you're just constantly going, exactly. will you go on a date with me? Will you go on a date with me? Will you go on a date with me? That's not getting to know somebody, motherfucker. Like, actually, be, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's not the same thing, you know? Yeah. And you also shouldn't become friends with somebody just with the idea of trying to go on a date with them either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. just one of those things that, like, if you are genuinely interested in a person, you know, instead of approaching it as, well, I'm just going to ask her out on a date 97 times until she says yes. It'd be like, well, I'm going to get to know her or him or whoever. And mm-hmm. by getting to know that person, you know, maybe my feelings will change. Maybe I'm interested and attracted to him now, but maybe after getting mm-hmm. to know them, I might realize that we have a friendship instead of something else. Or maybe I find out that they're shitty to waiters and I just didn't know it because we never went to like a bar, you know, 
with a group of friends and realize that she's just shitty to servers. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't want to be with that person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, if you want to get to like, if you are attracted to somebody or you think you, you know, you might be attracted to somebody, it's not the worst thing in the world to do, try to get to know them, even in a non dating scenario. You can still get to know them. And if feelings develop mutually, then you can progress. But just the idea of getting to know somebody without an agenda isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Right. But like, it's just one of those things that, you know, and some of it I do think has to do with age and all this other stuff, because, you know, like I said, the the type of things, the media and, and content we had growing up. Yeah. I'm vastly different than I am now just because I understand things differently. You know, like we were talking about earlier, when you're getting presented with all this television and movies, showing that it's okay to be that in some ways you don't necessarily see the faults in acting like that in real life and then when you yeah. you know as long and in 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 some of those instances as long as you're not like legitimately attacking and raping people and doing some of that you know like really terrible stuff or even if you're just you know if you're just annoying with it that might be a little bit more acceptable than as long as you grow out of it you know but if it's anything more than being annoying with it, then you're kind of on that rapey side of things. But yeah, like some of it is that. And then, you know, when you grow up and your hormones calm down a little bit, you might go, oh, that's terrible. Why the fuck did I do that? And maybe kids these days won't have as much of that problem because maybe the content in the media they'll get won't be the same. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I fucking hate that people still talk about the notebook being a fucking great romantic movie it is fucking garbage and sets up terrible yeah. expectations of what relationships should be and can be and are agreed like like with what heather said when he's like hanging from the ferris wheel and he's like go on a date with me or i'll die and that's like considered romantic and i'm like for one she's on a date with another <laughs> guy he doesn't even understand that common courtesy or boundary of maybe if somebody's on a date with another person at that time, don't be an asshole and bug them. Like maybe wait till they're not on a date to just go, Hey, do you want right. to go get coffee and talk? Nope. She's on a date. Now is my chance. Right. <laughs> Which is another weird trope of like the guy wants the girl so much that it's like, let me interrupt whatever it is you're doing right now, because this is what I want to do. <laughs> Yeah. People wonder why divorce rates are going up. We had shitty content like content that gave us really <laughs> horrible definition of what relationships should be. Yeah. Yeah. And also just and then there are other parts of it too, just the whole idea that a wife that a woman has to be this submissive, you know, there are other things to delve into, but you know. Some of that fortunately is going away though. Yes. Yeah, and that's nice. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, yes. And that's the good thing. So, yep. I think that's enough topics for tonight, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if we didn't what, get to your three topic. Hours? Yeah, something like that. If we didn't get to one of your topics, sorry. That doesn't mean we won't do it again later. Like I said, we're going to, we were talking about doing these maybe like once a month, you know. Yeah, so you can also give us non-movie topics. That would be great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll talk movies and t television as much as anybody wants me to, but 
you know, this kind of did just talk about other things. I know Kurt brought up wanting to know, know our hobbies and jobs and shit like that. I mean, maybe we'll talk about that again later. I mean, I won't talk about my job without being incredibly general about it. Because if I talk, if I say where I work, I open myself up to all kinds of issues about having to give like, I ha I would have to give disclaimers. If I ever said where I work, I could mention a lot of things without giving disclaimers legally. And that would suck. So I don't ever bring up where I work. I don't even, I won't even really get into the exact field I work in outside of telecommunications. I work in telecommunications. That's as specific as I will ever really get about my job, you know? So, and so like some of that stuff, I don't know if Heather or Jason would ever want to bring up really the specifics of their job, but I mean, it's, you know, some of that's why I don't ever bring that up is because I don't want to cause myself a headache, you know? Well, that's fair. My job is kind of boring. If you don't, if you're not in my field, it's kind of boring if you are in my field. I mean, <laughs> it's not an interesting thing, you know? I like what I do, but I mean, I could start getting into some of the specifics about like what I specifically do. It'd be a bunch of jargon. that would mean nothing to a lot of people. And I wouldn't want to do that to you guys. Plus, I do that like 50 hours a week anyway at my job. I want to talk about it here. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that this out there. The Don't escape. bring the work home. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I've worked like a full work week without overtime. Like I work a lot of overtime. And yeah, so that's like 40 plus hours. They typically, yeah, the minimum of 50 hours is typically what I work a week. I don't want to talk about it outside of that. It kind of sucks. <laughs> but we are glad that you want to know those things, fans who are interested. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat in the sense of I, I also work in telecommunications um, in a different capacity. I do project management, but it's also like beyond that. I mean, <laughs> it, it would just be a lot of like words that people are like, what does this mean? <laughs> Even people I talk to now, like customers I have are just like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so it does get a little bit crazy, but um, yeah, it's and it's hard too because it's like, especially now with the whole like working from home thing, it's almost like there's no. There's no line between work and home because it's the same right now. And so sometimes coming on the podcast is a really good way to to get away from thinking about work. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I totally get that. And yeah, Sterling, I'm kind of similar to your camp as well, because since I work kind of with with um you know medical patients and people like that who are trying to get uh billed for you know help you know get benefits to help with bills and Medicaid and stuff like that you know there's only so much that I can mention or talk about because you know, I can fall under HIPAA violations which are like you know you can get in a lot of trouble for saying the wrong thing right. about medical stuff or the job or you know we've even got like there was a social media kind of thing that i have to sign also that you know certain things that you say about the job and um different things like that that could come back on you as a matter of fact uh during my time here somebody got 
terminated for that. And I was like, damn, really? Yep. And I and they told me that story. And I was like, wow, you know, they were complaining about talking about some specific customers and stuff like that. And yep, it uh came back on them. So yeah, I definitely know what you mean about um the privacy and everything like that. So yeah, I can't really um talk about it too much in detail. But yeah, Heather, I totally agree. Like Right now, it's just been such a change working from home because I went from being housed in an office uh, near the our local hospital, and, and I still have an office there, but I just haven't been there in, man, it's been months because of the shutdown and everything. And, you know, they're gr- gl- slowly, gradually opening up their offices, and there are people working there now, but we're still kind of under some strict protocols, so... Yeah, it's been quite an adjustment trying to work from home. And yeah, now home is work, like you said, and we're doing so much overtime. And then, you know, we had that recent snowstorm uh, here in Texas a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago. So like, um, we're behind, you know, because that was like a week where we weren't having any business. I was off for that entire week because we just... Couldn't work, couldn't connect, internet, electricity, et cetera. So now we're playing catch up. So yeah, whenever we get to come on here and actually kind of not think about work and stuff like that, or I get to go to the ring and wrestle or anything that, shoot, when I get to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, anything to escape from all this overtime I'm doing, I'm there for it. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying about that, yeah, I'd much rather talk about something else. <laughs> so there you go, Kurt. That's part of your question. We'll maybe talk about hobbies later. Mine are yeah, going to we'll bore you. Hobbies. Because I think I've talked about mine a couple of times on the podcast. Because all I do is, oh, watch shit. <laughs> that's my hobby is I watch shit. Every once in a while, I play Magic the Gathering. And that's really all my hobbies. I summed mine up very quickly. <laughs> And that's why I don't talk about that much either, because I do talk about it. Because, like I said, my number one hobby is watching shit. So it's very easy to talk about that because that's what we do here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Off Script uh, from us. Um, check us out on the Internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook where we're cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. We're cinema underscore slayers. Did I fuck that up? I don't know. It's too late. Who knows? And, uh, you know, give us a five-star rating review if you can. It'd be really great. Also, tell your friends, tell your family, especially tell your mothers about this podcast because mothers love me. So, (laughs) you know, I'm sure she would just love listening to my voice. And, you know, just remember, according to Jazz, oh, yeah. And uh, shout out to Plug Migo for doing our intro song. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Man, I don't know what song. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. It's weird, and I haven't heard the new song. So, All right. Yeah. Next time, send us more topics. We need more topics, people. More topics. And they could be non-movie topics. More non-movie cinema topics next time.
non-movie cinema topics. Got it. Well, you knew what I meant. Non-cinema, whatever. I was, you knew what I, I was trying to say. I just like the way you said that. Non-movie cinema topics. Leave me alone. 